Can't relate. Straight talk going. Stay not safe. Before you cross me, look both ways. Leaving the scene with no trace. Not in my lead. You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm outer space. Can't eat with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going. State to state. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your host, your boy, George McKay. Man, oh man, 2022 is upon us. We are here. There's no stopping us. And I got a good one. I got somebody from New York. And you all know that I'm affiliated with New York in so many ways. From the Dirty Heels, my Brothers in Arms podcast, some of the great indie talent that's around there. And now I got somebody who is, let's just say, a prodigy, but also now, Savage. Please help me welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling, PJ Savage. How are you, brother? Hey man, I'm, it's an honor to be on Straight Talk Wrestling, man. Straight Talk Wrestling just got savage. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna use that in the promo clip for sure, for sure. So go. the way the way we always do it, and everybody knows the concept, is many hosts drops her episode on the Saturday before we drop our conversation. Now this will air sometime end of January, early February. But um, you know, just looking at your career thus far, I mean, we talked a little bit with the mini host about the name originally being PJ Prodigy. Two months in, you had your debut. It's almost unheard of. And I've looked that up. Not a lot of other wrestlers have had a two-month-in debut. So that basically shows the amount of ability you had and how quickly you caught on. Was it overwhelming to hear, okay, listen, you're two months in, kid. We're going to throw you in the ring. We're going to give you your debut. Were you like, holy shit, like, were, did you in your own, were you in your own head a lot thinking, am I really ready after two months? Yeah, no, man, I got to be honest. Like, I feel like I'm probably in my own head more now than I was before. Back then, it was just like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rip. I watched wrestling since I was a kid. My grandmother and me used to watch it every Saturday, every Sunday. She had me watching AAA. She had me watching WCW, WWE. She even had me watching some of the old classics because her favorite was classic Freddie Blassie. So, like, I grew up on so much wrestling that it was just, like, second nature to me, to be honest, man. And I remember when I my first day training, Matt Stryker was there. And uh, it was with, I trained with Johnny Rods. And uh, Matt Stryker's one of the guys that always pops in and trains some of his guys. And that was my first day. So I got Johnny Rods and Matt Stryker on my first day. And uh, the Silver Bull, Mark Viola, is one of the trainers down here. Big shout out to him. If it wasn't for him, there'd be no me. Um, but... Matt Stryker helped me get all my bumps down, all everything, like from chain wrestling to bumps to hitting the ropes. I got that down in like the first day. And if 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 he wasn't there, that wouldn't have been the case. I was just a sponge for it, you know? When I was getting on that train and heading to go train for the first day, it was like, I'm finally doing it. This is what I've been wanting to do my whole life. Um, I wanted to do it earlier than what I did, but I had my kids. So every time I had, I have three kids and my first two were born. So my first one was born around when I was like 17 years old. And uh, that really set me back because I'm, I'm a baby with a baby. And uh, I had a lot of growing up to do. But then uh, right when I was about to get back into it, I had my son Abel. And I had, it was like, I'm going to wait until at least my son is like one or two years old. Make sure the growing pains are out the way and I'm going to start my journey. And that's exactly what I did. And so I was hyped up from the moment, the moment I said go. So when it came to that debut, when it came, they sat me down. So backtrack a little bit. My first day was February 27th. And that was a Saturday. And they had a show the following Saturday, which was March 5th or 6th. And uh, 
they asked me to be there to help out with the ring and to do everything I'm supposed to do. And I was excited for it. I'm like, of course, man. And Johnny gave me that old look and he goes, uh, Papa, make sure you bring some black pants. I'm like, for what? He's like, you're going to referee that night. You're pretty good in the ring. Let's see if you're smart, too. And fun fact, I refereed the whole show. The whole show that night. So I think that show kind of helped me get out the jitters because I was thrown right into the fire. Didn't know what I was going to do. Thought I was going to ref one match. Didn't even expect to be on the show. And I ref the whole show. So when it came to the following month, I was I was raring to go. I was I was ready. I was I was chomping at the bit. So the nerves wasn't really there for me. That's awesome. When you hear that story, like that, that's, that's Johnny having so much faith in you a weekend. He's like, all right, listen, you're pretty good so far. We're going to throw you in the ring and then to keep you out yeah. there for the whole show. There's no need to get at that point. You're out there for a, a, a wrestling, an indie wrestling show is somewhere between two to three hours guaranteed yep. with a, maybe a 15 minute intermission in between, which you at that point were probably just slugging water because you had been out there for <laughs> 90 minutes at this point. <laughs> I'm all scared. I got to go back out. <laughs> yeah, but, that's exactly what happened, man. But that's perfect, right? Because, okay, listen, I'm going to throw this kid out there. I'm going to put him in the ring for three hours straight. And at that point, a 20-minute match is going to feel like 30 seconds because you've been yeah, out there yeah. for a whole show. And a crowd, a crowd will heckle a ref sometimes worse than they'll heckle the wrestler. Yep. Refs, yep. refs will get the you fucked up chant before anybody else. <laughs> the, the, the biggest heckle I was getting that night, I was getting a little heckled with, with some of my slow counts because I love those, those Mike Kyoto counts. Those real, one, two. So I was getting heckled for those. <laughs> I was getting heckled for those. And then I was like, I was bigger than most of the wrestlers. So the wrestlers would end up getting a little heckled because like, why is the ref bigger than everybody else? So uh, that, that's, that's, if I was there, I would have started the chant. I would have started the chant. Ref is gonna kill you. Ref <laughs> is gonna kill you. I would have started that chant for sure. Oh, oh man. Uh, you know what though? I've heard so much great things about the New York indie scene. And when you were talking with the mini host again, this is a great because sometimes you get a little bit more insight. Uh, you mentioned how Johnny treats it very much like the WWE. You sign a contract, you yeah. kind of have to stay local. You have to stay loyal for a little bit. But then the pandemic happened and you're still looking to grow. You're looking to get out there. You're looking to put your name out there because yeah, you can, you could become the king of New York, but if you're not the king of every other borough, what's the point? If you're not going to go out and kick down as many doors, it makes it difficult. So when you kind of told Johnny, listen, New York is, is stopped. New York is literally a, a, yeah. a, a dead zone right now. It's, it's not moving. Nothing's happening. I have to go out. I have to hit the Southern States. I got to go to Georgia. I got to go to Mississippi. I got to go where Chicago. I got to go wherever I can get my hands on some opponents. What was that conversation like? Because if he treats it like New York, like WWE, it must've been a challenging conversation to navigate. Yeah. And, and then what, what made it worse too, was like, I was the guy down at, we called it world of unpredictable wrestling. I was the heavyweight champion for three years. So like I was the guy down there. So I was the one that helped with other people. I started training other people. I was heavy into training the, the newer people that came in and I loved it. Like one day in the future when my career is over, I'm definitely going to set up my own school. But uh, that was challenging, man, because it was basically going, look, and, and I know his rules. He always says you could keep coming back. You could keep coming over here. But I was his guy. I was the guy that sat in that office for a long time. I knew he hated it. 
I knew if if someone left, he wanted you to stay out because he didn't want you to influence the other the other newbies. And you know, it's a blessing and it's a curse down there at Johnny's because you do need those two to three, even sometimes four years to get your foundation down. Like you go down there and you have the best. When I hit the indie scene, no one had a better foundation than me. I knew how to time my match. I knew how to chain wrestle. I knew all the nuances. I even knew how to work TV. I knew, and my promo game was second and none simply because of the promo work that we used to do down there at Johnny's. And um, so that conversation was hard. It was hard. It was basically going, I, I'm leaving. And it was a, a whole lot of why bah, you don't need to. You don't need that. And it was a whole lot of Johnny, I, I do. I do. I, you know, I can't just be the king of Brooklyn. I can't be the king of world of unpredictable wrestling. Like there's so many people. And then with the indie scene out here, it, and I'm sure it's like this in every other state, it's very toxic. You know, it's, it's very, it's very, if someone good is coming up, they're going to try their best to ignore it because people are going to protect their spots. And I was fighting that. Like I started a YouTube show on for Johnny Rods called WW Flash. And we were doing great things on there, man. We was getting a thousand views, 2000 views on some of the episodes. And we were doing a lot of great things. But when I hit the indie scene after that conversation with Johnny, a lot of people were acting like they didn't know what I did, but when all of them knew I faced Bobby Lashley, all of them knew I was heavyweight champion for so long. So they were watching, but they were finding their ways to just like keep a guy down and make me green and make me earn my way back up which is, it's, it's respectable. It's, it's, it's the thing you got to do in this business. But that's one of the reasons I had to leave. I had to leave because now I had to start earning my stripes somewhere else because everywhere you go, you're going to have to earn your stripes. And earning your stripes on the Northeast scene and just the indie scene, period, is, is something huge out here because everybody respects you. So I had to, man, to leave. And I understand that. I mean, listen, if it wasn't for Joe Fo in the ring uh, putting you on, I wouldn't know the name PJ Savage. I wouldn't know. And that was a great conversation that you had. Yeah, shout out to Joe Fo in the ring, man. They're phenomenal. Uh, I've had promo battles with Jeremy Prophet, and I've lost horribly. Like Jeremy Prophet can, Jeremy Prophet on a bad day. That man's smooth. Oh, I tell you, Jeremy Jeremy Prophet on a bad day, he he could find a way to, to make you give him the keys to your car, your house, and your wife. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you would somehow walk away with a smile on your face. Like, yeah, I just got yeah. dusted by Jerry Proud. That's amazing. Look at that. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> there you go. But you know what? And, and, and seeing that conversation with Joe, I started doing my research. And then, you know, just you and I happen to follow each other. I kept up on your journey. It seems like you kept up on ours, which I'm honored yeah. about that because that's that's a huge thing. Uh, the fact that we do something a little bit different. We're not just interviewing uh, for to have a conversation like PJ, how did you get started? How was Johnny Rhodes as a trainer? No, fuck that. You want to know the meat and potatoes of that stuff? Yeah, He's been on yeah. so many other podcasts, you could do it. But here, we don't do it that way. Here, we have conversations. We want to get to know the person in and outside of the ring. So, I got to ask 17 years old, you mentioned it, baby having a baby. I mean, yeah. you know, you got to grow up quick. And, like, don't get me wrong, I had my, my, I had the mini host when I was 24, but we were married. We were living in a basement apartment, a one bedroom basement apartment, but we yeah. found a way to make it work. We found a way to make it work. And then five years later, we got our home. And then a couple years after that, we welcomed our second daughter, who is the reason why this hairline has gone from here to here. I can guarantee <laughs> that. But I mean, 17 years old, a baby having a baby. So you had to put your dream on hold to make sure that your first daughter and then your son Abel, like you said, the growing pains were out of the way. 
you you mentioned it was a little bit of a setback. I don't think it was a setback. I think that helped you get to where you are so much quicker because when you went to Johnny's school, you were not, you know, a 20-year-old uh, looking to chase a dream. You were a man who was looking to put food on a table for his kids by any means necessary. And that meant that you were chasing that dream a little bit different than that seven. If you had walked into that school at 17, let's be honest, you would have oh, been just, yeah. you would have not been where you were mentally if you didn't have your children early. So I think yeah. that's a testament to you. I think that when you grew up quicker, it made you want it that much more. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's that's something that, to be honest, I've never really thought about, but you're 100, 1000%, right? That's kind of what separates me a lot from a lot of the guys now. It's we approach it from two different angles. A lot of some guys, this is their hobby. Some guys, they're just weekend warriors. Some guys, they just like doing it. Um, I'm hungry. I'm doing this for a contract. I'm doing this to get known. I'm doing this to put myself on a platform. I've said this so many times. I don't do it for the money. The money is for my family. The money is for my children. The money is for my wife. The money is for them, for the house, the family, the whole setup. I'm chasing a legacy. That's what I want. My whole thing about getting into professional wrestling is I want to be remembered. Well, who's more remembered than some of these wrestlers in pop culture? Everybody knows who Bret Hart is. Everybody knows who- Right there on the wall, baby. Right there on the wall behind me. There it goes. The Hart family. One of my biggest inspirations was Bret Hart. Um, but yeah, everybody remembers wrestlers. They're in pop culture lore. Ric Flair is all over. I want to be that. I want to leave my mark on this world. I, I, I want to do something great. I want to be remembered for something. Look at The Rock. It's turned into this icon. And his grassroots was professional wrestling. So- you know, like professional wrestling is different. The fan base is second to none. The fan base, the fan base in professional wrestling is what makes it so special. And and I need that. I want that. So my reason for doing this and getting into this, my reason for lacing up my boots is definitely different than and and especially it was that day when I stepped in. I stepped into that first day of training with that same mindset I have right now, which is I'm doing this for my kids. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for my wife. It's, so it, it was different. It definitely was. Absolutely. And it's a great, it's a great time uh, for representation. I love, I love having this conversation because we look at so many different avenues of where wrestling's at right now. You, yeah. you, you see so many representation of so many different champions of color and it's fantastic to see. And, yeah. you know, a couple guys, a couple guys from out in New York right now are rocking MLW tag team gold. I'm talking about Danny Limelight yeah. and Slice Boogie, man, the bodega. They're out there with 5150 and they're killing it. And I, I, I've I had the honor of speaking to both those guys. And now to add another another New York name to that list is an honor. But when you see when you see guys from your hood with the same kind of background, the same kind of uh, cultural uh, stigmas around them and they come up and they bust their tails and they get there and knowing that that brass ring is attainable. Because sometimes you're wondering, like, man, am I going to be the first one to make it out of here? Like, we look at in, 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 in where I am from, I'm from 45 minutes from Orangeville, where Edge grew up. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm right around the corner. And when I started this podcast, I'm sitting there going, man, can, can a fat white kid from Toronto, Canada, get in this oversaturated podcast world to make a name for himself? And uh, then I sit there and I think, well, hold on. If a kid from a small town of like 40,000 at the time can make it out and become literally one of the greatest names in wrestling of all time, especially in an era where there were so many big names, right? You're talking John Cena, you're talking 
so many that that ruthless aggression era a lot of people came up and edge was one of those guys and definitely you gotta you gotta remember that you gotta remember that where you came from and remember where you can go now you're you're a guy who's never going to forget where he came from but knowing that it's obtainable but also knowing that this last year has been challenging with all the names that have been released and all the and roh going on hiatus so there you go 40 wrestlers back on the indies and I, a lot of people are like, well, now the indies are oversaturated. I don't think it's oversaturation. Mm-hmm. I think it's healthy competition. And it's just more yeah. guys. It's just more guys for you to breeze through. It's more guys for you to put your, if they have an established name and you go out there and you knock them down a peg or two, I mean, fuck, that's, that's just another notch in your belt to keep going higher and higher. And then it's like, well, look at what PJ did with so-and-so. Look at what PJ did with so, this person, that person. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, exactly. stock starts going up and it's not just a whisper. Now it becomes a yell. Now it's like, yep. we got to put him on. But with, with contracts being released, is it concerning for you, knowing that you're doing this for a contract, but knowing that at any minute, you could be another name on one of those proverbial lists if you get there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So right before the pandemic, uh, I'm not even, like, I'll, I'll talk about it, but I can't go into detail. I was supposed to try out for a company. It was March 24th. And uh, that tryout was supposed to happen, and the, the shutdown went into effect March 16th here in New York. So I kind of lost that opportunity. And then, uh, but like me and my wife had the conversation the other day. If the moment I step into a tryout, the moment I step into any kind of opportunity, I have 100% faith in myself that I'm going to get a contract because I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to fight tooth and nail, and I'm going to show them I'm, I'm what's supposed to be there. But uh, I probably would have been one of those names that got released if it truly was due to budget cuts. And everything has its own path. Everything has its own way. I remember me and a close friend of mine was watching WrestleMania. It was like two years back and Ricochet made his WrestleMania debut. And that was something a lot of us didn't think would ever happen. And watching him and I could see it in my friend's eye. It was like, wow, like if Ricochet could do it, I could definitely do it, man. Like this this is hope here. And I looked at him and I was like, your path doesn't have to be like his. Your path could be different. All of us is going to be different. We don't have to follow a specific road. So I have that mindset to me. So when it comes to like the ever changing waters and the the tide going this way or that way, I'm going with it. I'm following the flow. And whether there's a hundred guys released off a contract and I got to face Braun Strowman on Saturday, I'm going to do it. I'm going to welcome the challenge with no nerves in my system. Or if I got to go out and fight Joe Schmo on Saturday, I'm going to do it with the same intensity, the same drive, the same fight, the same passion, the same savagery. I'm going to come out and still be me. I'm going to approach everything the same. And that's because everything with me is the volumes turned up on a thousand. I broke it. So it's going to stay there. It's going to be there for no matter who's in front of me. And of course I welcome competition. Whoever wants to come out, I, I, I want to, you know, sharpen my blade with those guys. That's what you do. If a buddy Murphy walks into your show and you're going to have a seminar with him or you're going to have be able to, to wrestle him that night, take your blade out and sharpen it. That's that's the point of this. Even when those older indie guys come back and, and guys that, you know, sometimes they get that stigma. Why are you still around? You're taking spots from younger guys. No, you can't look at it like that. You got to sharpen your blade with those guys, too. Your mind is one of those blades. You got to sharpen it. That guy's been through everything. And you could pick a guy like Alex Zane who's with 205 Live and I'm going to be on a show with him in two weeks. 
Like, that's a guy I'm going to sit next to in that locker room and say, hey, bro, can you give me any advice? Like, I'm, I'm a sponge. I'm, I'm sharpening my blade as many ways as I can. And I welcome all of this, man. And, and even with ROH, ROH is a goal for me. I love ROH. I, ROH is one of the places that really, really inspired me. I've said it on countless podcasts before. Jay Lethal versus Jay Briscoe for the ROH Championship is one of the matches that inspired me to do it, to, to become a professional wrestler. It showed me that you don't have to get to WWE to make a mark. Mm-hmm. And, and that was huge for me because that, that's very scary. You, like, especially as a fan growing up, you go, WWE is the only place. There was no AEW at the time. TNA tried it a couple times. They never got as big. ROH you thought would get big. They never really got that big. New Japan was there. They were there. Um, but WWE was the place. And at that time, right before that, it was like the only place you could ever go to is WWE. And there still is that stigma. But AEW's here now. New Japan's here now. They're bigger than ever. And that match between Jay Briscoe and Jay Lee really, really showed me. Because he was black machismo to me right before that moment. <laughs> and And, you know, like he was a comedy gimmick. And not that he wasn't respected. He wasn't looked at as a main event player. And man, that he's that whole summer with the House of Truth, he set the the wrestling world on fire. And and that was truly, truly inspirational to me. It's one of the reasons why I decided I gotta do it. I have to I have to stop playing around and just do it and jump into it. And uh so with these ever-changing waters, man, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for anything and everything. WWE goes out of business, AEW goes out of business, so the businesses grow to the point where they're not going to sign anybody. Like, look at now, WWE, for instance. Right now, they, their whole stigma, if I follow this stigma, I'm too old. I can't hack it. I'm not as good because I don't have the college background. I even put up a tweet not too long ago with the whole next in line thing. I, I'm going to be my own next in line. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be my own NIL, and I'll, I'll be there. Don't worry. I'll see you guys when I see you guys. Like, that's my confidence, and that's my attitude approaching everything in professional wrestling. It's my life. This isn't a secondary job. It's not a side hustle. This is my life. This is my legacy. It's my only passion that I have, besides my family, of course. And those are two great passions to have, right? I mean, people who people who aren't wrestling fans, they just sit there and they go, why, why would you want to watch two guys roll around with each other? No, there's so much more to that. There's building stories. There's any ignorance. Ignorance is bliss. And sometimes you want to sit there and you want to educate. You want to tell a non-wrestling fan, you know what? Watch this match and and tell and yeah, don't yeah. get out of your chair and scream. Or watch this match and don't be impressive to see these two two juggernauts moving around the ring in, in seamless uh, poetry. Tell me that you're not going to get excited about watching Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart for 60 minutes, then only to have an extra five minutes tacked onto it. Who's tell me, bumps? right? Who's exactly. That's the moments we live for. Exactly. As wrestling fans, we appreciate those. But as wrestling fans, what I love now about wrestling is that, like you said, there is so many options. There's a little bit for A, a little bit for B, and a little bit for C. And there's yes. there's so much out there for everyone. You want that hard-hitting uh, toughness, you go to New Japan. You want the spectacle. You want the memories of your childhood. You're still faithful to WWE. You want something new, different, and edgy, but still kind of following an old pattern of, say, a WCW. Shh, I didn't say that. You go to AEW. <laughs> And I don't mean I don't mean WCW in the negative. I mean doing it the, better. Yeah, doing it better than what WCW did. Bringing in the older legends like a Mark Henry, bringing in the older legends like a Big Show, but not to take spots, to work behind the scenes, 
to build up talent. Because like you said, there's so much there that they can teach you. Their, their bodies yeah. may not be 100% anymore, but the mind still is. And if you're passing yeah, on knowledge, exactly. That's where you can learn everything you need to learn in a school on the basics. But to actually get out there and live the life of a wrestler and avenue those waters, like you said, there's nobody better than a captain of a ship who was a captain before you were a captain. And that makes exactly. it the thing. But now you mentioned ROH. Now I'm an ROH OG as well. I've been watching ROH for at least 20 years and I'm, and it sucks that I don't have them, but thank God I have honor club and I can go back and watch the archives every time. But you and I share a common likability of one man. A lot of people now would know him as Kevin Owens, but you and I know him as Kevin Steen. We know him as somebody who you and I, considering that we have very similar body types, yes. look at a guy like that. And we yeah. see a guy like that moving around the ring like he did. And all of a sudden, it's like, hold on. A big boy can do this, and he can yeah. fucking hurt people. And you don't got to be six foot nine. You no. just got to You just gotta have that passion like you do. Yeah. So when you look at a guy like Kevin Steen, who I know is a big influence on your career, if you could sum up Kevin Steen in one word, what word would you use to sum up Kevin Steen? Oh, man. That's a tough oh, one, right? That's a tough That's one. That's a tough one because there's so many to describe him, especially for me, him being such a big influence on me. Okay, I'll give you five words. I'll give you five, five words to describe him. There you go. Five One of the words that definitely comes to mind is kill. Just, he kills it. He, he's kill, steam, kill. Like, he's he's that guy, man. Kill. I'll give you that one word. It's kill. It's definitely kill. I love Everything it. he does, he kills it. He kills his competition. And it's just his passion. He wears it on his sleeve, man. That's just, that's KO, man. It's been steam, man. And, and all those final battles with Generico, man, those are good memories. The smile on my face just says it all right there, man. And, and watching him get to WWE was inspirational, man. I remember reading the dirt sheets and being like, is this really happening? Is this really happening? Watching him with the performance center t-shirt, was like, oh, this is really happening. And then that, that I remember his debut versus uh, I think it was a uh, CJ Parker at the time, and now his name is Juice. And uh, I've watched that match countless times. And at the end of the show, he just power bombs Generico after the win, and it was like this is it, this is him. It's like you could tell this was his little love child, and it finally came to be. But he's one of the guys that helps me realize that you do use real life and you put it into the business because there was real life professional jealousy that Generico got there before he did mm -hmm. and it was all their dreams and he got to use that and it was like it was pure passion and then the match that they had and just watching him win without a pen come on like this is just ah I'm marking out I gotta stop I can't do that on camera <laughs> hey it's, it's okay to mark out you're right I, I I watched that whole journey too and um I remember just hearing that music hearing that KO music for the first time and I and I saw the vignette video I was like Oh, I love it. But also, too, the, the fact that um, very similar journeys, if you look at it, right, he yeah, was yeah. kind of he's kind of locked down by Rougeau, was told, you know, if you want to do this, you got to stick with me. You got to stay here. You got to do this. And he's like, no, I want to I have to go out there. I have to see what's out there. Same thing with you and Johnny. Right. You know, you got to stay here. You got to you got to hold down the fort here. Well, I've done everything I can do here. Now I have to go out because if I don't go out, I can never really be me. I can never figure out what makes the layers of PJ Savage. So when you peel back, I, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, Christmas time just passed a few weeks ago now. And we look at Christmas and obviously everybody watches Christmas movies. We watch the classics, but one movie my wife and I love 
uh, it's a little bit of a tearjerker. I'm not going to lie. I, I weep a little bit during it. Best Man Holiday. Fuck, it gets me every time. It does. It's such a <laughs> it's such a heartfelt movie of friends coming together and then finding out that one of them is, is literally dying. And they only have this one weekend to get together. But there's one scene where they're all playing pool and they're like, what would be the three words that describe you? What would be your, your credo? Like if you could sum yourself up in three words, what would it be? So for me, it would be passion, love, and family. Passion for everything I do, whether it's my real life job or this passion that I'm chasing here as uh, you know, a podcaster. Uh, love, because without my wife, I wouldn't be here. My wife saved my life and I tell people that all the time. And then family, because my daughters are everything. I, I won't stop breathing until I know both of them are taken care of and the world is their oyster to literally chase their dreams. So PJ, I pose the same question to you. If you could sum yourself up in three words that describe PJ Savage, the man and the wrestler, who would it be? What would those words be? Definitely, I'm gonna steal two words from you. It's passion and family. Those like passion, that that defines me. Like my passion comes through on everything I do, whether it's playing with my son, or walking through a curtain like passion is the word that defines me like that's the essence of pj savage you're going to see his passion when he walks through a curtain and steps into a ring and the man is only described by one word and it isn't savage the man is described by family like my whole life revolves around my kids my wife i i have four kids now two girls two boys my beautiful oldest daughter named savannah oh man that, that girl's my everything uh, my daughter, Sophia, who's my mini me, she does everything I do, wants to do everything I do. And then my two boys, Abel was, and I always say my kids all taught me something different, how to be a man and how to grow up, how to be a parent and how to love. They all taught me something different. Abel, Abel was like one of my first, like, you know, the, that love that you never knew you could love a little boy like that. And my son, Luke, is like my newest one, man. And, that little boy is like, oh, I love you so much, man. I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> and uh, if I had to choose one last word, man, it would be a very New York kind of word. And it would be grind. Mm. Everything I had to do in my career up to this point and in my life has been a grind. And I fight through it. I claw through it. I've had to fight through so many things that no one knows. I've had to do so many things that no one knows. I've been through a lot. And, and that's New York. Like, that's New York for you, man. Like, New York puts you through everything. New York will smack you in the face. New York will tell you you're nothing but a statistic. You're nothing but a number. You're not, you're not supposed to be anything, but New York will put you on top of every billboard in the city. Like, they'll love you and they'll hate you. That's, that's the city. And that's, that's what I've been through. You know, I'm that guy that tried to call a cab and the cab didn't stop for me, but they stopped for somebody else that was better dressed just up the block. I was that guy that was denied the job or denied a certain position or, or I got a position because my name isn't really Spanish. But when I walked through the door and it's, oh, this is the guy. Oh, that, that's not a Philip Melly. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's, that's, that's literally been my life where it's like, oh yeah, this guy, I'll get tons of interviews. But the moment I walk into an office, it's like, no, nah, this is not the, he doesn't fit the mold. Mm. And, uh, you know, like New York is, I'm pretty sure everyone else is like that, but New York will really show you it. Like, and they don't hold their bones about it. And I've had to grow up with that. And, and it's toughened me up. And I, I wear everything on my sleeve, my passion. I wear my family on my sleeve. But that grind, that grind is what makes me need people in the mouth. I use all that pent up frustration, 
the, the everything that held me back. I, I, I did a post-match promo after my match versus TJ Marconi. Go watch that. Yeah, people at home, go watch that if you want to see who I am. And, and that's what defines a savage. It's it's not me being a savage. It's not me being brutal or the most intense person here. What makes me a savage is the fact that no matter how many times I get knocked down, no matter how many times I get held back, no matter how many times people tell me no, it doesn't stop me. It doesn't waver me, not even in the littlest sense. I keep going and I probably get up faster than I did before. It's like every time you beat me up, I'm like Goku. Every time you beat me up, I get up stronger. <laughs> like that. That's the perfect way to describe me, man. Absolutely. And I, I would I would agree with that. You know what? It, it, it um, It's cliche to say it, but it is everything you just said was very inspirational. And you look at like, I mean, I mean, we, you could quote so many lines. Uh, another fellow New Yorker, right? Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Six. Nobody's going to hit harder than life, but it's not about how you get hit. It's about getting hit and keeping going, keep moving forward, right? One of the most inspirational speeches out there. And the same thing, I'm a, I'm a big hip hop head. My, that's why my daughter at the age of 12, she already knows who Notorious B.I.G. is because I'm teaching her well. I'm keeping her up on it. You're doing good, man. You're doing good. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of great Canadian hip hop that a lot of people, you know, your side of the fence may not know about. Like there was a great yeah. group from B.C. called The Rascals. Big fans of these two guys. They're amazing. And uh, they have this one track called uh, One Mike. Uh, and it, you would say, oh, they stole it from Nas. No, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different, their version of it. But there's one part There's one part where it, the line sticks out to me all the time. It goes, in the dungeon, where the dues are paid, where you get tough and callous, learn the tools of the trade. That is, that is, a, that is one line that I look at because if you look at life, life is that dungeon. And you have to get tough. You have to get callous because if you don't, the world will eat you up. It'll eat you up and it'll yeah. spit you out. Like you said, one minute you could be on every billboard in the city. And the next minute, you're a ghost. People don't even won't even whisper your name because it's yeah. And and it and it's 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 being through something like that and having to have adversity. Like we we've all had challenges, but when you have that adversity, that makes you have that chip on your shoulder. And even when you reach that when you reach that peak, when you when you get that contract, and I believe you will. And there's one promotion that I'm going to mention right after I say this though that I think you would fit in perfectly. But when it comes to it, when you get that chip on your shoulder and you get that contract, you're not going to stop. You're going to have that chip on your shoulder every step of the way. And you could reach that mountaintop five, six, eight, nine times. You're still going to want to go for that 10th time because it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, like it, I, I want 17. <laughs> that's the number that's in my mind. And mm. I'm not even there. Mm. I want 17. I want that number. And if, if Cena gets it, I want 18. Like that's that's me. Like I'm I'm going for what people won't reach for. Like there's this line that we all talked about when we all first started training, and it was like certain guys was like, I want to be like Ray Mysterio, I want to be like RVD, you know, I want to be better than Eddie Guerrero or uh, you know, like Edge and a lot of the guys, and no disrespect to those guys, those guys are top of the line, and you should want to strive for that. I want to be better than Vince McMahon. I want to be better than the creator. I want to aim that high. I want to aim for the thing that no one's even looking at. Like, you know, like if people go, that's the top layer, I'm going, okay, if that's the top layer, what's above it? What else can I reach for? That's my mindset. That's where I'm at. And and, and that's what goes through my mind every single day. Like, that's what I want to strive for. Like last night, it was hard for me to sleep. 
I can't lie to you. I, I, I hardly got sleep. And why I hardly got sleep is because I have a lot of matches coming up. I want to make the PWI 500 this year uh, in 2022. And I stood up all night thinking, how can I make sure I make that list? How can I make sure I get on that level to, to start getting truly get that recognition and, um, you know, start spreading my wings. But like, that's, that's the stuff, man. Like this isn't just a wrestling gimmick for me. This isn't just, you know, I put on the shirt and I hang it up or this is every day. Like this is my family's life. This is everything for us. So man, it, it's definitely different. It's definitely up there, man. And, and that contract, you're right, man. Once I get that contract, that's, that's when it starts. Mm-hmm. That's when mm-hmm. it starts. And, and I could truly start laying the foundation and building that legacy and reaching for heights that I want to reach. I want to win the WWE Championship and the Royal Rumble in the same night. Like, that's the stuff I think about. Like, that's that's I, that's, that's a storyline of dreams are only made of right there. That's a that's a I'll PlayStation storyline right there. I, I, reach, I reach high, man. And, and if it's something I never get, I'll live with it. But just know that's what I was striving for. A hundred percent, man. And I, I look at, I look at the man, I look at the man behind, behind the layer of wrestling. Cause like you said, it's not a gimmick. You live it, you breathe it. And the man behind the layer is a great father, a well-spoken individual, a very intelligent human being. And like you said, I mean, you're not doing this just for PJ. You're doing this for Sofana, Sophia, Abel, Lucas, the one you want to eat up because I'm assuming he's got like chubby cheeks. I love it. <laughs> oh, that little guy's so cute. Looks just like his mom. Thank God. Like that's my mini me. That's my mini me. She can't deny it. Like that's daddy's little boy. It's not, you know, like mama's boys. No, he's a daddy's boy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's why we call her the mini host because I mean, you look at the cheeks, you look at the the, the face is all me. But, but then of course you get the, uh, you get the good with the bad. Like she looks like me. She's got a great smile. She's well-spoken, but when her and I, man, when we disagree, it's like two bulls in a China shop. Cause there's no, there's no give. There's no give. She's like, I'm right. No, no, you're not right. I'm right. Well, I don't have to listen to you. Oh, you damn well. You better. You know, you have to listen oh, to me. Man. So Tell me. Yeah. That's so good, man. That's awesome, man. Keep it is. It is. Doing, and man. when you, when you, when you strive, when you have four people lifting you up, like you have your four kids and your wife lifting you up, when you've got those five, that support system behind you, that'll make you a sell. And you could be the most known unknown until you're known. And then when you're known, like I said, it starts off as a whisper, then it blows up into a yell. So we talked about, I mentioned earlier in the interview that there's one promotion I can see you really defining and carving out that legacy. And I believe, I'm a huge fan of this promotion. I believe that MLW is a place where you can really, really excel. I mentioned Danny Limelight. I mentioned Slice Boogie. But there's so much town over there. Like, I would love to see you go toe-to-toe with Alex Kane. I would love to see you stare down Alex Hammerstone like you stared down Bobby Lashley. I would love to see you smack the ear pods right out of Richard Holiday's head. I would. I think. I think that MLW is a place where you could really define PJ Savage, and you can add that next layer to make you grow. And uh, MLW does watch the show because a lot of times I believe they are listening when it comes to the side podcast and when it comes to this one. So Corp Bauer, if you're listening, sign this man because I'm telling you. You need a little bit more savagery. We need We need yeah. to get another. We need to get another member of the Boumaye Fight Club. Alex Kane's recruiting right now, so we need to get another member. But would you not agree? Do you agree with my statement? Do you think MLW would be a great place to start laying that foundation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The talent down there that they laid out, man. Uh, one of the guys that I've been on the indie with, uh, Casey Navarro, he just got up there. Um, 
but there's guys that I've been in the locker room. Like I've been in the locker room with Alex, Alex Hammerstone and chopped it out with him. I've been in the locker room with Danny Limelight in Massachusetts. I've talked to these guys and we do kind of have that same philosophy of what we want to do when we get out there. It would be a perfect fit. It would be something that does excel. And there's a guy at, at MLW that I want probably more than anyone right now. And and that's Jacob Fatu. I that's I want Jacob Fatu. I want to go to war with Jacob Fatu. I welcome it. I want a long, lengthy war with Jacob Fatu. I want to tear down arenas with the Simone Werewolf. And and it's he's a measuring stick out here, you know? He's one of those guys. He's he's a guy I've chopped it up with, kept in contact with. He's he's an amazing person. But I want we we want to go to war like that's so MLW is it's 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 definitely right there, man. It's it's a place I want to be. No, doubt. I want you to go to war with. I want you. Is it wrong for me to say that I want to see both of you hurt each other very very violently? I do. I do. I do. <laughs> see, I do. You see, it's the it's the the mental image of seeing PJ Savage, Jacob Fatu going to hell with it all. We're laying it all on the line right now, and just see who walks out. It doesn't need to be any title on the line or anything. It's, just- it's the mental picture of seeing both of you sprawled out in the middle of the ring after going 45 minutes, both drenched in sweat and blood. And then you get up and you make eye contact and then it's forehead to forehead as you raise up. And oh, then it's just man. fist to fist to fist. And then and then he howls. And all of a sudden we see the savage yell and it's like, you know, it's just fucking game over. And it's one of those, it's one of those wars. It's one of those wars that would have to end first match with a count out it would have to go to time limit time limit draw so that we can get part two because you know i don't give a shit what anybody says pj sometimes the sequel will always outdo the original three movies that come to mind the godfather part two way better than the godfather part one back to the future two way better than back to the future one and then of course you know i'm a big fan of i'm a big fan of the uh the matrix movies I believe Matrix Reloaded, way better than Matrix. My honest opinion. That scene with like a thousand Agent Smiths, that shit was fucking crazy, okay? Crazy. The sequel does outdo the original. So the first war I know would be epic, but the second war, the second war would be where both guys get carried out in stretchers. And then they, as they're walking out, they're giving each other the middle finger. So we get the truth. Oh, that's such an image. <laughs> oh, God, that needs to happen. I'm going to do that somewhere. Just two guys beating battered, just still, just with the, I still hate you. I'm, I still hate you. I'm still coming for you. I'm still gunning for you. Even though I'm being carried out right now. That's, no, and then, and then he comes back maybe a few days earlier than P. Day Savage. He's in the ring and he's like, Savage couldn't take me out. All of a sudden, the music hits, and PJ walks out, and he goes, you said I couldn't take you out two times. Two times we went to war. Carried out a stretcher second time. Time limit dropped there. What we need is one more time. And then you're like, oh, oh no. It's like, dar- it's like Die Hard 3. You needed it. You didn't know you needed it, but when, you, when it came out, you were like, okay, I needed this. I needed this. Yep. Yeah, that, that's exactly what me and him would do, man. And it, it's almost like fantasy booking. But every place that me and him are in the locker room, the promoter and everybody's kind of looking at both of us like, that that would be something to see. We should be, you know? So it's like that that little anticipation is there. It just got to happen, man. And MLW would be the perfect place for it to happen. I believe it would be too, because the great thing about MLW is it's not oversaturated. MLW has signed the right amount of, right, right amount of talent. And they, they're, they're building up the town. Like you mentioned, Casey Navarro. I, I'll be honest, I wasn't a completely sold on him. 
but seeing what he's doing now and the work with Enzo and that storyline that's budding there, it's going to be going to be exciting to see. Um, it's definitely going to be, I'm a big, a big fan of Alex Kane. He's a great friend of the show and what he's doing is second and none. And then of course you got Hammerstone at the peak of the mountain, right? And Jacob Fatou has been off camera for a couple of weeks, but we know he's going to return. And when he returns, it's going to be epic. It's going to be absolutely epic. So uh, a couple more questions that I'm going to let you go enjoy the rest of your uh, rest of your Wednesday. But when all, when everything's cleared and it is time to hang up the boots and you look at what was left behind, if there was one piece of advice that you could pass on to the next generation, it's not like you're anywhere close to hanging it up. There's still many more. There's so much gas left in a tank. It's ridiculous. But if there's one piece of advice that you could pass up to a young kid, a young boy or girl that might be watching this interview and wanting to break into the business when they, when they get of age, when they can start training, what would be that one piece of advice? Take your time. It doesn't have to happen right now. You don't have to get signed in the first six months. Take your time. Play the long game and, and you'll win in the short game. Play the long game. Take your time. That's the one piece of advice I, I really felt I should have gave myself. Mm. Um, it's not that it held me back, but the mental, it's, it's a mental battle. It's almost like looking at your matches. I had to even stop myself from doing that, looking at my matches and doing nothing but critique yourself not being happy with anything that you ever did. That was me. And um, it was like, I need to get better so I can get signed tomorrow. I need to get better. I'm signing myself. I'm, oh, that match? I had one hell of a match. I'm sending that in today. Uh, I need to hear back from them this week. And, and man, you, you kill yourself. Anxiety, depression. You talk to people, uh, and then the people never get back to you. And it's like, what did I do wrong? Damn, did I, did I burn that bridge forever? And, you know, like, it's, it's, been, it's been tough, but... The one piece of advice I would give a younger me and a younger person just coming into the business, don't rush it. Don't rush it. Take your sweet ass time. And, and, and the journey would be much, much better. I promise you. Absolutely. I think that's a great piece of advice. I, I, I look at, I look at, I look at everything that you've been through. And I think that in some way, shape or form, fate was, was telling you to take the long game because you had your daughter, you had to wait. Then you had your son, you had to wait. So it was almost like fate was telling you, Slow, slow down. Enjoy yeah. this. Enjoy this part of your life before we get to this part of your life. And yeah. when you enjoy this part of your life, it's going to help you, like I said, grow up to get to this part of your life. And yeah. I, I, no regrets. It builds character no. and it changes. It changes your mindset because all of a sudden you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for everybody else. And the same thing with me. I started this five years ago. I had no idea what I was doing. PJ, if you listen to the early archives of Straight Talk Wrestling, we were so bad. It wasn't even funny. We were, we, we didn't, we didn't have flow. We didn't have flow. We would interrupt people. Like now I sit there, I let the, I let the person that I'm conversating with get their point in. But before I'd be like, hold on, I got a question. Stop. Don't talk. Stop. Stop talking. And it it would just be like, (laughs) it would just be so bad. And then as you grow and I look at the early interviews I did to where we are now, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost 200 interviews in and I wouldn't change the world for, from where, where the first early interviews are to where they are now. It's all about sharing the story and the story of the person that you're with and learning so much more about them. So my final question, and then I want to play a game with you because I think this is a game you would have fun with, and I'm going to give you some very tough choices. So be ready, be ready. My final question is um, when Savannah, Abel, Lucas, and Sophia, they look at dad and they see dad in that ring and he's standing at the top turnbuckle. He may be holding a title for that promotion 
or he's in that ring having that intense stare down with Bobby Lashley. When they look at dad and you know they're in the audience, do you hit a little harder because you know your kids are watching? Do you take, do you take those bumps a little bit stiffer because you want those kids to know I'm out there and I'm earning every inch of this? Yeah, man, it's, it's different when they're in the crowd. Um, I remember my, my son Abel's first show, uh, this footage of it in one of my first highlight videos. Um, I, I go straight to him and I give him a hug because like I see what he went through that night. He saw dad. It was like the first night he was like, is dad dad or is that a superhero? And like you could see the look in his eyes, man. And, and Lucas hasn't been to a show yet. Mm. And his first show is going to be very soon. And He's probably one of my biggest fans, man. Like Lucas is, he runs around my house with his little WWE belt that he got for Christmas and he yells Savage all day long. And it, even on uh, my YouTube show, Savage Season, he's on the end of the episodes and he says Savage at the end. And, and uh, man, like when he's in that crowd for that first time, oh man, it's, I feel bad for that guy who's going to be in the ring with but uh, it's it's going to be a special night, man. You do everything better. The entrance is a little bit better. Everything's a little more polished. And um, it's one of the things, like, I've had a couple shots. I've had a couple little small opportunities, not the ones that you should have, but I've had some small ones. And every time I'm about to come through that curtain or do whatever I got to do, whether it's say a promo or, you know, just train, I act like they're there to, to help me. You know, to to make sure I put that extra polish on you. You, for a man who's never been in the ring, you you kind of know exactly what goes through the wrestler's head. That's that's pretty amazing. No, I appreciate that. I I try to get into that mold because I myself, like I said, I'm a fan, but I'm also someone who appreciates everyone in this business. And I know that there's challenges. I know that there's growing pains. I know there's peaks and valleys. But you know what? Uh, to quote again, to be cliche and quote, I can't believe I'm going to quote this right now, but I have to quote Miley Cyrus. Okay, life's a climb. But the view's pretty great. It is. When you, when I'm you, using that. yeah, life's a climb, but the view's pretty great, man. Yeah. And the only reason I'm quoting that is because we watched Hannah Montana a couple days ago. I'm not gonna, I'm not ashamed to admit that shit. Hannah Montana's a good, <laughs> good movie. Okay? It's a good movie. All right. Listen, we have the Disney Network and we watched, we watched it the other day and I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, man, best of both worlds. Uh, yeah, you know, limo, well, front. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't care. oh, that's it. That's it. It's, oh, it's a party in the USA for you, man. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Crazy <laughs> on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. So now let's play the game. I call this game, I, I've called it <clears throat> a couple of different names, but it's basically choices. I give you two options and you can't think you just got to answer because the quicker you answer, that's the truth. That's the gotcha. honest truth. So actually maybe I'll call start calling it that. I'll call it the honest truth. So I'll give you a real easy one to start. Really easy one to start PlayStation or Xbox. Xbox. There you go. So you've got it. Now that's the concept of the game. So here we go. You're from New York. So they have some great burgers, but they also have some great pizza. So burgers, pizza, pizza. Ooh, he was answered that one quick. All right. All right. Here we go. Ah, coffee. Or cappuccinos, because it is different. There's regular coffee and cappuccinos. Yeah, coffee. Perfect. Okay, here we go. Um, it's always coffee. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course it is. It's always coffee. Absolutely. Um, okay, beer or liquor? Like when you do drink on the cake, beer, okay, he answered that. Beer. And the fifth and the final question, this is a real tough one, because you mentioned a couple of legends in the game in New York, but I have two that always stick out to my head. Biggie or DMX? Biggie. Oh, wow. He answered that real quick. I thought, honestly thought, I thought maybe you might switch to DMX. You know what I mean? He's a little savage on the mic, but all right. 
Hey, now nah, he's a big old trusted piece to that legend. But Absolutely. Biggie, Biggie, Biggie's got a special place in my heart. Absolutely. My, one of my all-time favorite songs, all-time, Ten Crack Commandments, okay? I can listen to that shit over and over again, okay? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just radio play. I'm not hypnotized, okay? Not any of that shit, not, nothing of that. Not juicy, none of that. I you like this shit. Props in New York for that one. Absolutely. Man. Props. Absolutely. Yeah, I gotta go, I gotta that's go with Dirty this Dirty Hills messes with you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the Dirty Hills knows, that's right. PJ, if there's anybody out there who's stupid enough to not be following your journey, where can they follow the journey that is PJ Savage? There you go, man. Everything on all major social media platforms is at PJ Savage underscore uh, uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash PJ Savage. You want to go get some Savage merch? Then go check out that YouTube, man. PJ Savage. Uh, I have a YouTube show there every week. We took a hiatus for the next two weeks just because it's the holidays. We do have some episodes in the bank. Um, but uh, it's my journey. It's my journey when I go to promos or when I get on the road and uh, we're going to have some uh, behind the scene footage or when I even do Dirty Heels in a couple weeks. So, uh, man, go check out Savage Season. It's awesome. If you really want to see who I am, go check out Savage Season, man. PJ Savage on everything, man. There you go. That's it. That's perfect. And this is going to air after the Dirty Heels episode, but it's all love. That's going to be a great episode. I can't wait to watch that. I know it's going to be epic. Just like you have some episodes in the can. That's what we're doing here. We're taking these two weeks here just to build up the, the episodes to make sure that we can ease back into the new year comfortably. Exactly. So, But it was an honor and a privilege to sit down with you. And because uh, I'm a glutton for self-promotion, Straight Talk Wrestling pretty much everywhere except Twitter where it's at underscore Straight Talk. But PJ and I already follow each other. We peoples. We know how it is. And uh, I do have pro wrestling tees as well straight talk wrestling pro wrestling tees and i've even got a spread shop where you could get the uh you could join the movement straight talk wrestling right there uh peace love and wrestling guys this was an amazing conversation with my new friend pj savage and i want to let you know right now pj that you are officially a member of the straight talk family anytime you want to come back on the show you know you can we can chop it up anytime you want and uh again it was an honor and a privilege to have you on the show today Man, thank you. It's been an honor. I love what you guys in the podcast business do. That's why I keep up with all of you. You put new talent on always. You guys are a platform that's definitely needed. You're an integral part of this business. Don't ever belittle yourself. You're, you are very important to the whole scheme of this wrestling business. So thank you for do, doing what you're doing. You and many hosts keep doing what you guys are doing. It's greatly appreciated. I'll keep watching, baby. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Peace, love, and wrestling, guys. We'll see you next week. Push. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on Podbean. Also, check us out on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch, check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. Leaving the scene with no trace. None in my lead. You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm out of space. Can't eat with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going state to state.